Okay, Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure to welcome my father who's here, my son Yitzhi who's here, and all our chaveirim. Very much appreciated. Shout out to Ari, who's not able to be here tonight, but as always, he took care of the food, and we really appreciate it, Ari. Thank you. You should be everything that you do. Thank you, anybody listening to the podcast also. Very much appreciated. Be'ezer Hashem, up to Parshas Ba'aleischa, which is the first in the series of Parshas in this Chumash, in Chumash Ba'midbar, that talk about all kinds of unfortunate episodes that happened to Klal Yisrael. Really, all the stories, the unfortunate stories that we know, are going to be either this week or the next few weeks. We're going to be reading about them. For example, the story of the Meraglim. We'll be reading about it next week. And the story of Kairach and the story of Bnei Smoyev. It's all happening in this Chumash. Somebody and, said, from this parasha, you made the Torah. Right. That's the, uh, that's the uh, Chidush Arim said. The, the, the episodes that happened to Claudia so may, became our Torah. From this and one of, the, one of the episodes that we read about is in this week's parasha. The Misavim, that Claudia Yisrael complained about the lack of food. And they said, Who's going to give us meat? Remember all the fish that we ate in Mitzrayim? And the different vegetables. Now, it's like a dry, very boring life, because all, all, what do we have? All we have is the man. Continues the Pasuk. The Torah goes on to say that the man is a very appealing type of a seed, and it has the look of like a gem. Very, very also appealing type of look. And the Torah continues, Man, by default, tastes like a very sweet dough. So, what's going on? Claudia Yisrael is complaining, and then the Torah is describing the man in like very glowing terms. Says Rashi, Yisrael, in other words, the Klai are complaining that we don't want this mud. It's such a boring, tasteless food. And the Rebbeinah Shalom says, actually, it's not. And he goes on to describe its qualities. Look how appealing it looks. Look how wonderful it tastes. Look, everybody. Look, my children, Klai Yisrael, look what they're complaining about. I'm giving you this wonderful, wonderful food that was 100% nourishment. As we know, there was no waste from the man. And it's appealing and it's delicious tasting. And as we know, anybody could taste any flavor in it that they wanted. Look what you're complaining about. Says Rav Palm that this, this line that the Rebbeinah Shalom says, Look, people of the world, what my children are complaining about is something that could happen even till today. And he gives an example. A man comes home from work, and it's already the evening time, <coughs> and he finds the house is a huge mess. The kids' toys are strewn all over the floor, and there's no supper. And he's furious. And he says to his wife, what kind of a, what kind of a housekeeper are you? What kind of a housemaker are you? You can't even make sure that the floor is clean. You can't even prepare supper. Says Rav Palm, when the man says this, the Rebbeinah Shalom says, 
Look what my children are complaining about. How many people would give anything in the world to come home at night to a wife and a house full of children? They'd give anything. Either they unfortunately weren't able to get married, or they got married but they weren't able to stay married, or they got married and stayed married but unfortunately they weren't zeichet to children. They would give everything for that. And this is what you're complaining about? Another example that he says, a bocher comes home for lunch. You know, some yeshivas, they allow the boys to go home for lunch. And he finds on the kitchen table his mother prepared him a tuna platter. You know, there's tuna and vegetables arranged very nicely. And he looks at the plate and he pushes it away in disgust. He says, what? You call this a lunch? Says Rav Pam, Rebbeinu Shalom says, How many people in the world would consider this tuna platter to be the greatest delicacy? They would consider this to be a banquet. Well, fresh, healthy tuna with fresh vegetables, beautiful, prepared for you in a nice way, and this is what you're complaining about? So, we see from here the Torah is teaching us a lesson as Rapam beautifully illustrates that we have to always have a broader view of what's happening in our life. <clears throat> and we can't you know, focus on the small things that don't work out perfectly and instead we should look at the bigger picture. And Adarabba, there's so many wonderful things that we have in our life that we're blessed with. This is what a person should be focusing on. And that's what the Rebbeinu Shalom wants. And Khalila, when it's the opposite, this causes the Rebbeinu Shalom Lag Really? Seriously? This is what you're complaining about? And this is something that all it does, it takes a little bit of thought. That a person should think about, you know, all the wonderful things that I have in my life. And everybody, everybody has wonderful things. And everybody should be gebenched with even more wonderful things. But... The Torah is telling us a lesson. <coughs> Remember what you have to focus on. Shalom Aleichem. And this week we were given a reminder. We were given a reminder as we were discussing earlier. <coughs> Tuesday, so the news was that New York City is the most polluted city in the world. Now you think about it, there are a lot of, there's a lot of pollution out there. In third world countries, in Africa, or in Asia, in India, in India you know, places... Uh, you know, they're, they're developing countries where they don't have all the amenities and the comforts that we have here in the United States. What is the most polluted city in the world, at least for that day? Right here in New York City. It was hard to breathe. Anybody was outside? You saw. Yesterday, too. Horrible. Horrible. The, you, could, you could feel the smoke in the air. It was hard to walk outside. Well, Hashem, today is a little better already. Hopefully, it'll continue to improve. But when these unusual occasions happen, so it's a reminder for us that every single day we have beautiful, clean, fresh air to breathe. We can go outside, and it's absolutely free, and it's delicious. Fresh air. Wow, what an amazing thing. Can be better than that. We don't always appreciate it. What? Yep. Right. Thing he used to do it, every once in a while, he said he would hold his breath for a while. He said, ah, 
Like David said, Rabbi Victor Miller, I mean, he, 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 Taka would say, would emphasize this in his rushes, you know, you go outside, you take a, a nice, cool breath of air, wow, there's nothing more wonderful than that, and, and air is life itself. And on days like this, we appreciate it even more. And as Chazal tell us, in the Apostle Kola Neshama Tahalel Ka, you got to thank the Rebbeinah Shalom for every single breath. And when we have these reminders, it's there to ingrain in us that we have to appreciate it. And the more we work on that and understand it and appreciate it, of course we're going to be happier people, and also we're going to be better Yidim. Because being grateful and being thankful is part of the avoid of the Yid. In fact, we're called Yidim, Yehudim, of Lashon of Haidah. Being grateful, being thankful, that's who we are. Hapam That's where the name Yehuda came from. Thanking the Rebbeinah Shalom for all the good things that he gave us. And the Ramban writes, a very famous Ramban, in Parshas Boy, Kavanas Kala Mitzvah, Shenamen Belekeinu. All the mitzvahs, everything that we do really is for this purpose. Believe in the Rebbeinah Shalom, V'noyidu Eilav, Shubrona. We're going to thank him that he created us. V'kavanas HaYetzir, really the whole world was created for this purpose alone, that people should give thanks and shvach to the Rebbeinu Shalom. That's what he wants. Everything that's here, the Rebbeinu Shalom, what nachas does he have from this world? He doesn't need our skyscrapers. He doesn't need our electric cars. You know what he wants? He wants our thanks. Everything we come to show, we dive them loud together. You know why it's there? Imagine a beautiful shul like this. People come together here on a Friday night and they daven and they sing together beautifully. That's what the Rebbeinu Shalom wants. He wants the thanks. He wants the appreciation and the acknowledgement. Thank you Rebbeinu Shalom for creating us. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for making us Yidin. And thank you for everything that you do for us every single day. And you know, we pay attention to the davening a lot of the parts of the davening really exclusively focus on this concept of giving shvach to the Rebbeinah Shalayah. For example, all the brachas that we say, the psukeh de zimmer that we say, halal that we say, we're always praising and thanking Hashem. And that, as the Ramban tells us, and as Rashi is alluding to over here, it's what brings the Rebbeinah Shalayah nachas ruch. And I want to share with you something. An event that I was this week with, with Yitzi, Sunday, we went to Philadelphia and we went to Wells Fargo Stadium. Now, Wells Fargo Stadium is the stadium where the, uh, the Sixers play, and also the Flyers, it's a hockey team. But what we went to was not a sporting event. It was a different type of event. It was called Adirei HaTayra. Everybody heard about it already. It's an event honoring the Yingalite of Beis Medrash Gavoyan Lakewood. And the stadium was packed with 25,000 people. And I can tell you, I was sitting there, it was full. Full, literally, to the rafters. Every single seat was taken. Yeah. Who won the game? Who won the game? So in that game, in that game, in that game, everybody was a winner. There were no losers in that game. There was a very, very impressive dais. Many of the Chasharish Yeshivas here in America were there. And there were also two very, very elderly and very Chasharish senior Rosh Yeshivas from Eretz who came special for this Maimed. It was really, really a tremendous Maimed to cover the Torah. Of course, all the Yingalite from Lakewood were there. And the point was, which was, what's that? Who's behind it? Who's behind it is uh, Laser Shiner. Yeah. 
and, yeah. and they spoke about, the speaker spoke about that we're here for one purpose only, and that is to give covet to those people who spend their days sitting and learning Torah and harving and learning. Give covet to them, acknowledge them, acknowledge their wives who work hard to support their husbands, and also acknowledge those time Torah, those great like Laser Shiner and others who are the ones, the driving forces behind supporting all these young alike, which amounts to tens of millions of dollars a year. And there was a lot of singing and dancing. There was a scene that was done on Chas Bavli and Yerushalmi. And one of the things that the speakers highlighted was the remarkable growth of Tyra here in America. The Baron came to America, it was 1941. A year later, he established the yeshiva in Lakewood. You know how many Talmidim? 13 Talmidim. 13. At the time, the concept of learning Tyra, really just for the sake of learning Tyra Lishma, it was totally unheard of. Nobody knew what he was talking about. He said, you know, people should sit and learn, so they should become G'dayli Tyra. Nobody understood it. He was mamish all on his own. But he said, now this is what we're going to do. And like we said, he opened Beis Medish Gavaya with 13 students, 13 Talmidim. And slowly, and even in Rabarn's time, the yeshiva grew. In the 1950s, they were ready to build a new building. And they asked Rabarn, you know, how, how, how big should we build, make the base medrash? So he said, make it big enough that there's going to be 400 people could sit and learn there. And at the time, 400 was an astronomic number. They said, Rebbe, you sure? Right now, the base medrash at the time, already, it had 100 Talmidim. He says, yeah, yeah, because we want the yeshiva to grow. I think the same is that I think he also... He wanted 4,000 Talmidim, right. Anyway, today in Lakewood, between the Yungalite and the Bachram, and they said this number, 8,747 Talmidim. It's the largest yeshiva in the world, outside the, outside the Mir Yeshiva. I heard yeah. someone that was in Lakewood, when they made the building... Ravon was worried maybe it's too maybe he made a mistake it was too big. Uh-huh, interesting. Even Lakewood that was there. Really? That's what he told me. Wow. So, so David is saying even Ravon second guessed himself. Right. <laughs> he certainly did not think that one day there would be 8747 Talmidim there. There's 20 Bate Medrash throughout spread around in that whole area of the yeshiva, different buildings. And you think about it. So this is really the fulfillment of the Avtach of the Rebbeinu Shalom. The Torah is not going to be forgotten. It's going to continue to thrive and it's continuing to grow. And, you know, we see today what's happening in the world at, at large. The woke movement that's spreading there like wildfire and, uh, and the shredding, you know, of all the values and the morals. We have to say thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. That we're Zeicha to witness the revival of Torah right here in our times, right here in America. And for that, we have to give Shvach Vaidat to the Rebbeinu Shalolim. The we're Zeichah to see it with our own eyes the Avtacha and the fulfillment. The Torah is never going to be forgotten. And Adar Abba, it's going to continue to thrive and grow even in 2023. Uh, two nights later, there was another event. That one I didn't go to. It was near Shalim. It was the wedding of the grandson of the Belzareba, which took place also in a stadium, also in a basketball stadium. The stadium in Malchan, Yerushalayim, it's called the Arena Stadium. And it was full. I saw video. The stadium was full. A few small pockets of empty seats. But for the most part, the stadium was full of Belzer Chassidim. That's uh, men and Bochum. No ladies. The ladies were in a separate location. The stadium sits 11,000 people. 
Imagine. And Bells is today, it's, it's, an, it's an empire with many, many yeshivas and koilim, and they have their own base, and they even have their own newspaper. But we have to realize and acknowledge when the previous Bells of Rebbe, Rabbanu Bells, came to Eretz Yisrael in 1944 as a refugee from Europe, he barely had a minion. He barely had a minion. And today, at his great nephew's wedding, Chasna, a stadium of 11,000 people. All chassidim is full. Unbelievable. And this too is a fulfillment of the avtach of the Rebbeinu Shalalem. The Torah is not going to be forgotten. And Kali Yisrael is not going to be forgotten. And the Rebbeinu Shalom says, you know, even though there's going to be trials, there's going to be, unfortunately, difficult situations, like the Holocaust of Rahman al-Islam that wiped out a third of Kali Yisrael, including many, many Rebbeinu courts and Hasidic courts and yeshivas that were either totally decimated or almost completely decimated. Not, not a third, three quarters at least. Okay. Nonetheless, the Rebbeinu Shalom says, I promise you that even if it's going to be hard, ultimately the bottom line is, Ki The Bianca Vemden writes, the Akdama to a sitter, Siddur Shara Shemaim like this, Mi she'yayin be'yichud in yonai, in yoneinu ma'amadeinu ba'ilam, anachnu ha'umad ha'goyla se'pezura. You know, we're like, separated all over the place. Achar kol ma'sha'avar oleinu me'atzarais, you know, we've gone through terrible tsaris for thousands of years. There's nobody that's harassed like Klai Yisrael. My Rabbi Klai Yisrael had so many enemies. So many attempts were made to completely wipe us out and eradicate us. Nonetheless, says the Bank of Emden, all those ancient nations, Rome and Greece, Avat Zichrom, Batal Sivrom, they're gone. Nobody talks about them anymore. But us, Klai Yisrael, was still here and we're still alive. We have the same Torah. We still have our own Shulchan Aruch. We have the Gemara. We have Torah Shabbat Peh. And it's all still there in its full strength and its full glory. If anything, it's getting stronger, as we said. What's the, uh, the sharp philosopher who doesn't believe in God? How's he going to answer and explain this phenomenon? Hayada, Mikrastokali, telling me this is by chance, that such a thing exists? Chaynavji says, like he gives a, a, a shavuah, when I see the survival of Klai Yisrael and the resurgence of Taira, God These Nisim that we're speaking about, of Klai Yisrael surviving and Klai Yisrael thriving, says Rabbi Yankov Emden, is even greater than the Nisim and Iflois of Mitzrayim. Because this teaches us that the Rebbeinu Shalom is with us till today, and it's so against the natural way of things that when we look at it, we have to realize and appreciate that this is 100% the Yad Hashem. The longer the Golas is, the greater the Nis is. And this was spoken... 250 years ago. Imagine what we would have said after the Holocaust, you know, after that, after that Khurban. But, just like Abiyakov Emden wrote, then we see it today. The Rebbeinah Shalelam Zavtacha to Klai Yisrael is eternal, and it's always going to be there. And the more we look at these things, the more we appreciate it, the more we should be filled with the chorus of and gratitude, the Baruch Hashem. First of all, we're part of this great nation, 
And Baruch Hashem, we're witnessing it with our own eyes. And Baruch Hashem, thank you Hashem, that you're keeping your promise to us of Hilesi Shachami Pizari. We read in the beginning of the parsha that the Ibrahim Shalev tells uh, Maisha and Aaron to consecrate the Levim, to make the Levim Kaddish. Up until this point, so the Bechayrus, they were the ones who were in charge of the Avaidah. But after the Chaito Egel, when the Bechayrus unfortunately were Nichshol, so the Abishta chose Shevet Levi. And they were the ones who became in charge of carrying the Mishkan and also in charge of the Shira and the Beis Amikdash. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful schus. But what is the concept of Shira? The Swarm explained to us that, you know, a person usually expresses his words and his thoughts verbally. But sometimes the emotions are so deep and the feelings are so strong that you cannot put it into words. And in such a situation, you have to have shira. That's like a song coming from the depths of the heart, from the depths of the emotion. That's what shira is all about. And the Levim, they were the ones who, because of their strength by the Chaito Egel, where they were able to really, really reach deep inside, and as the, the Sukkim tell us in uh, Parshas Kisisa, Meshach Rabbeinu says, You know, they had to kill their own siblings who were from a different father, weren't from Shevet Levi, and they went ahead and they did it, something that goes totally against human nature. But they did it because they reached deep inside into the reservoir of emotions, and they were able to uncover that powerful emotion of Mila Shemelai, that I'm going to do what's right for the sake of the Rebbeinu Shalalem, and overcome all the other emotions and natural feelings of family. And it's because of that that they were Zeicha, that they're the ones who are going to express their emotions through Shira and the Beis Hamikdash, and through Shira and the Mishkan, and the Avoid of the Beis Hamikdash. But we see really that the concept of Shira comes from the depths of the Neshama, that a person appreciates everything that Rabbi Nishalaylam does, and us too in our own little way, even though, I don't know if anybody here is a Levi, no, but, Wal Yisraelim, what's that? Wal Yisraelim, and we too in our own little way, should reach deep inside, and as we said, appreciate the chasodim that the Rebbeinu Shalom does to us, each and every day, and look at the broad picture of who we are, where we came from, and where we're going, and Baruch Hashem, there's only, only shvach and haidah that we're able to say to the Rebbeinu Shalom, and the more we do it, so we're going to strengthen our amuna. we're going to strengthen our connection to the Rebbeinu Shalom. I was at a lecture last night, uh, there's a well-known speaker, Roy Neuberger. You might have heard of him. He wrote a few books. He's a Balchuva who came from a completely secular background. And 50, uh, 49 years ago, he threw a uh, quote-unquote chance meeting. He heard a lecture from Reverend Esther Youngreis, and that changed his life, him and his wife. Today, they're well-known uh, public speakers and, and uh, involved in Kirov and all kinds of... Uh, Wonderful things. Very, very passionate people. They spoke here at BJX last night telling their life story. And one of the questions that was asked, because it was given over like in a question-answer form format, is, you know, you're about Shula for so many decades already. How do you keep your Yiddishkeit vibrant and strong? And he said this answer. He says, you know, you look at Klau Yisrael and all the challenges that we face and all the people that are trying to destroy us and annihilate us. And you see that as much as they try, and as hard as they're trying, they're not successful. 
And he says, and this is happening every single day. You know, you read the news, you open the newspaper, you see what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. You know, there's so much attempts at destroying us. And even here in America, there's so much anti-Semitism and so many enemies. But yet we're surviving and as we, we've spoken, thriving, Baruch Hashem, and won't continue to do so. So he says, when I see this, it gives me the most chizik in the world. I can't remain complacent. I can't feel the Yiddishkeit boring because every single day, it's like a fresh awakening. That Baruch Hashem, we're here, and for that we have to serve the Rebbeinah Shalei. And that's really a, a beautiful way of looking at things, that certainly when we do it, and the more we do it, as we see here in the parsha, that brings the Rebbeinah Shalei tremendous nachas ruach. What could be a better thing to do than bring the Rebbeinah Shalei nachas ruach and appreciation for all that he does for us? So Taka, let's all strengthen ourselves in these areas of living up to our name, of Yehudim, people who thank the Rebbeinah Shalei and the Mitzvah Shem, in kind, he's going to shower us with even more bracha, and I just want to conclude the beautiful story. You know, we mentioned Chazan and Bells and the resurgence of the Torah world and the Chassidish world. Beautiful story told over by Rabbi David Ashir in his, uh, one of his books, uh, Living Amuna. It was told over to Rabbi Ashir by the person that it happened to. This fellow, he wanted to uh, give his wife and his kids a break. They normally didn't go to the country, but it's like the last week of the summer, really after... A lot of the bungalow colonies are already shut down. He found a bungalow that's, that was open. He, okay, he, brought, he drove his wife up there Sunday. And he kept them there for the week. And he says, I'm going to come join you for Shabbos. You know, this way you'll have the last week of the summer in a nice environment. Which is what he did. And they didn't bring much up. They just brought enough up for the week. No food for Shabbos. And Thursday night, he's speaking to his wife and she said... All we need is challah and grape juice. That's all you have to bring up. Okay, so he, he, he figured he'll drive up on Friday and I'll stop by one of the grocery stores in the country and I'll pick up the, the, you know, the, the challah and the, and the grape juice. Not a big deal. But as it happens, and you know, as some of us know from personal experience, driving up on a Friday afternoon is not always a very good idea to make it there on time. Traffic is usually very, very difficult, especially in the summer months. Everybody's leaving New York City. He gets to the country an hour and a half before Shabbos. And when he finally arrives at the bungalow, so he realized that he misunderstood what his wife was saying. She didn't say, we only need grape juice and challah. She said, we need everything, even grape juice and challah. We have nothing. Okay, now, you're in the country, an hour and a half to Shabbos. The the, the house is empty. What's he going to do? Okay. He jumps into his car. He's hoping to find some store that's open. Of course, the Waze isn't working. And he has no idea where he's going. Okay. He finds himself on some country road. He looks at his phone. There's no service. Okay. So now, there's no food in the bungalow. He's lost. What's he going to do? And he gets this thought in his mind. He says, you know, uh, maybe make a turn and, and see what happens. And, 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 and also, he, he dove into the Rebbeinah Shalom. He said something to him. He says, Rebbeinah Shalom, help me out. Get me out of this mess. At least let me make it back to the bungalow in time for Shabbos. He makes that turn, and where does he find himself? In front of Machana B'nai's Bells. I happen to know where it is. It's in Ellenville. A girl's camp. And he sees a chassidish man standing by the front. And he says to him, excuse me, is there like a grocery store nearby? And he says, grocery store? It's like, it's an hour to Shabbos. Nobody's open now. And the man says, how can I help you? So he tells him his whole story. The man goes to the, one of the payphones there. He calls the kitchen. 
And then he says to this fellow, he says, go, go, go to the kitchen, you know, drive down the road over there. They're going to take care of you. Okay? He goes to the kitchen, and he tells the manager what happened. And he says, you know, we need at least uh, some challahs and grapes just for Shabbos. And then he sees that the kitchen workers, because the guy who had spoken to the manager already had arranged it, they're loading up boxes, an entire Shabbos. Fish, chicken, kugel, desserts, and of course challah and wine, more and more and more and more. And then he says to him, he says, you know, my son happens to be allergic to soy. Do you know if this challah is made with soybean oil? So he says, yeah, it was. But he says, here. He goes to like a little corner. Here we have a little stash of soybean oil free challah. Spelt challah. Here. And he says, it's fresh. Just for you. Amazing. He takes out his checkbook. He says, how much do I owe you? He says, no. Here in Bells, that's what we're about. Helping our fellow Yidin. They gave him directions back to the country, to the colony. And Baruch Hashem, he makes it there in time for Shabbos. No. A beautiful story. But it shows us really what Kalah Yisrael is all about. And what we're all about, Taka, we should be to live a life of appreciation and living up to our mission of being Kalah Yisrael. Amen.